Claire Crunk, founder of Trace Femcare. What a pleasure it is to have you with us today on Hemp Barons. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you because you have what I consider to be the most innovative product out there in hemp right now today. It is so needed on so many different levels. And I'm going to just prepare our audience right now distinguished guests, ladies, gentlemen, however you identify my brothers and sisters and siblings, today is a show about tampons. Yes, it is. So sit back, grab your tampon and a cup of coffee or tea, and I want you to listen about Trace Femcare and why on earth hemp is the saving grace to tampons and menstrual cycles environmentally, cervically, and otherwise. We're going to learn about it from Claire Crunk. Man, Claire, first tell us how did you come to hemp and we'll go, we'll start your journey from there. Sure. Um, So I started my professional career as a women's health nurse practitioner graduated from Vanderbilt back in 2008 and practiced for 10 years and had owned my own practice at one point. Um, And long story short, I got really burned out. So healthcare burnout is super familiar to everybody now. I was just ahead of the curve back in 2018. So I stepped away from practice um, and I was about 33 at the time and was having my return of Saturn moment. And, um, you know, left wondering what I'm going to do with my life. Um, Around that time, I went to a music festival and met a representative from the Tennessee Hemp Industries Association who had a booth at the time. And I had never heard of CBD. You know, I'd heard of cannabis, um, but I had never used cannabis. And he was like, oh, you know, try this CBD. And I was just so excited. So I tried it and, you know, thought, what is up with this hemp? I want to learn more about it. So um, at that same time, I went to spend a week with my BFF in South Georgia um, from college, and she is an attorney turned corporate farmer. So we're like just drinking wine. I'm like, what do you know about this hemp? You know, is there a business opportunity there? And she said, "Um, you know, you should really look into the processing side of ag because there's usually opportunity there that people don't think about. So I came home, started doing research, hemp processing, learned about hemp fiber, and just started reading all of this amazing stuff about how hemp is so great for the environment and for soil, um, how natural fibers are needed in the textile industry, um, and how fiber can answer both of those uh, needs, but that there was no fiber supply chain available. So when I'm like reading all these environmental benefits, all the cool technical aspects about hemp fiber with absorbency, all of its bells and whistles, my women's health brain totally defaulted to vagina. And I was like, oh my gosh, this would make a great tampon. Googled it. There is no hemp tampon. So I was like, oh, well, I'll just go do that. I'll make a hemp tampon. And then of course realized um, there was not enough hemp fiber supply um, and there was not a mature supply chain to do that. So again, a little naively at the time, I said, well, I'll just go do that and started Southeast Hemp Fiber to develop the U.S. hemp fiber supply chain for textiles and products like tampons um, and did that for a few years until 2020 um, when it was time to come back to the tampon project. I 
I just have goosebumps, you know, my, the listeners, my audience who know me well know that, you know, sometimes I just get emotional and speechless and just have to say, I'm sitting here with goosebumps. I'm hanging on every word is the reality. You are a woman who got bit by the hemp bug and, and went on fire with it. You immediately started researching, getting inspired. Then boom, you married your, you married your training, your education and your career with the inspiration, with the plant with the crop. And then, and then you realized, wait, in order for me to move forward with that vision, I actually have to help develop the supply chain and you move forward with that. And that, and now focusing back to being, being an integral part of that, of that process and, and the re-emerging industries here. And, and then going back to the idea, the product, the entrepreneurial mind that said, okay, now it's time to manufacture this tampon. Sure. And, you know, through that journey of Southeast Hemp Fiber, as with any startup and entrepreneur life, there were so many ups and downs and days where I thought, oh my gosh, what am I doing? This is too hard. This seems impossible. Um, But now, you know, I'll catch you up on where we are here in a second. I've just looked back and realized that everything happens for a reason. And there would be no way that Trace could be where we are now without that groundwork of Southeast Hemp Fiber. Um, And a lot of that was just luck. So even meeting the hemp industries um, representative, that was total luck. Um, I had a friend from college who's a textiler. I called him and I said, hey, what do you know about hemp fiber? Is there a market for this? And he said, hey, I'm going to be in Nashville tomorrow. Why don't you come to our conference? So I did. And that afternoon, I called the printer and I said, I need business cards. He said, what do you want to call your company? I said, I don't know, Southeast Hemp Fiber. And then the next day was networking with textilers who were asking for hemp fiber and doing that market development um, and just started building relationships there. Um, So that's a lesson I've learned is that you never know where a relationship is going to take you. Um, and if you just treat everybody with integrity and honor people and really listen, um, they're going to help you out in the future. And that's really come to fruition with Trace. And if you're and if you're walking in integrity, which is the walk that you walk, my sister. And and I also just want to just take a moment to to piggyback on something that you said. And, and it's luck. And, and I'm certainly not denying that this concept of luck exists. I will also say, as Benjamin Franklin did, that the heart harder I work, the luckier I get. Uh, And also I will say that, you know, there's a revolution of consciousness taking place at the same time. All of these revolutions are are taking place. Um, And, you know, the plant, humans and animals, we have a relationship with plants. And of course, I I think plants might actually be in charge of this planet. And that's just (laughs) incredible for me to witness over the last 30 plus years in this movement, um, the way this plant works. Um, and yeah. And when I started, I, I, so one of the first conversations I had to connected through that textile friend was with Guy Carpenter of Bear Fiber. And it was the very first time I'd ever talked to him. I cold called him and I was like, I am not a hempster. I am a businesswoman. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and now I am like totally in love with him. And I talked to him like a year ago and I was like, yeah, well, I'm a total hipster now. I've fallen in love. And it just really um, parallels with that personal journey of return of Saturn and having a deeper awareness of the gifts that Earth has given us um, and how grateful I am for that. So it is funny to think about that 
growing and that blooming um, that I saw both in business and in uh, my personal life too. I'm really grateful for hemp. It's taught me so much. Oh, excellent. Beautiful. So beautiful to hear. Now, a new cycle is beginning. I love the, the op- Amen. on your homepage at traceyourtampon.com. So we want to be now, I, I want to be talking about the trace part. I'm also wondering, sister, if you have any statistics, maybe one or two in terms of so that we can sort of frame up the usage of tampons on planet Earth and what they are made out of now and those mass-produced tampons, the effect that they have on women's health, and then let's go into tracing and hemp. But if we could sort of set the stage for the listeners, thank you. Absolutely. And I'll talk a little bit about um, those beginning conversations with Trace back in 2020, where I started really learning about how tampons and menstrual products are made. And throughout Southeast Hemp Fiber, because I was developing markets and non-wovens, had been attending these hygiene conferences, technical conferences, and realized it is so male-dominated. That really surprised me. Um, And that even as a women's health clinician with like top tier training, I still didn't know what was in menstrual products and how it was made. And so that was a light bulb moment um, because if we're going to put something in our vaginas, I believe we deserve to know what's in it and how it got there. And it's a consent issue. Um, So as I started doing my research on how this um, would come about, that was a big light bulb moment for me. And I knew that I wanted to create a brand that was completely transparent, that um, the user would know exactly where the materials came from, who all was involved in making it and how it was made. Um, And that's where the name Trace came through. So traceability um, to the farm level is one of our core values and something we'll never let go of. Um, And especially from experience with Southeast Hemp Fiber, I have such a deep respect for farmers and growers, and and they need to be honored. So, you know, I feel like if we as a brand can foster that connection between us as menstruators, the products we use, and the land that gifted us with the materials to make those, um, it just motivates us to take better care of Earth. And that's part of why I love choosing menstrual products, too, because half of the world menstruates and will need these products like in perpetuity. They're ubiquitous. If we stop menstruating, like literally we all die. (laughs) So um, if we make menstrual products out of hemp fiber, it perpetuates the need to continue growing it and expanding it um, and really harnessing its carbon sequestration properties. Um, And some statistics I'll throw out for you. Um, Let's see. Um, In the U.S., the menstrual hygiene market is a $3.5 billion market, so it's big business. An average menstruating woman will use about 14,000 to 15,000 menstrual products in her lifetime. Um, In the U.S., we throw away about 500,000 pounds of menstrual trash in U.S. landfills every year. So it's a huge waste generator, um, and most products are made with synthetic materials. We're talking rayon, which is a natural man-made fiber. And usually that's um, tree-based, where trees are chopped down, they're pulped up like a paper industry and a liquor, and then a fiber is extracted from that. And they're also made with polypropylene fibers, which comes from petroleum. 
Uh, and that shocked me because I didn't know that. And here I was putting plastic in my vagina and, and that really bothered me that it wasn't disclosed in that way. Um, and then of course our applicators and packaging is full of plastic. And then the last thing I'll say about how our products were made that surprised me, when I started learning about the textile industry and how fibers and yarns and fabrics are made and how non-woven goods are made, I didn't realize there was all this chemistry used to make the fiber soft or to make them slick or to make them shiny, um, how white fibers are often dyed to make them optic white. So there are a lot of chemistries used in our menstrual products too, just in the process that um, menstruators don't know about. So uh, that was really interesting to me and something we want to bring forward as a brand to customers to be more empowered in their choices. And, you know, even and as I was listening to you speak about any of these fibers other than hemp, we're talking about, you know, and, and cotton may have less toxic chemicals to break it down than some of these other fibers certainly would. Uh, it takes you know, just tremendous, which is why we need to replace the entire paper industry with hemp, which, by the way, 90 percent of the world's paper was hemp before the craft patent for wood pulp cellulose, you know, wood cellulose pulp to make paper. And, and then when we think about bleaching, same thing with paper, right? We're putting all of this dioxin in, and then we were, and then we're having bleach next to our cervixes and, and the cervical cancer and all of these different, yeah. uh, go ahead, please. Yeah. And that's what really bothered me as a clinician, because I took care of so many women who came in complaining of chronic irritation or rashes on the vulva. And as a clinician, I just have to guess on product choices because I couldn't go to the store and see all the ingredients or chemistries used in each brand. Um, and even now, we talked about this at our conference um, a couple weeks ago in Scottsdale, um, that there is a lot of resistance from the old guard of menstrual products to disclose ingredients. Um, so we're kind of the rebels there. Um, and about cotton, cotton even requires a wet chemical process to purify and optimize for menstrual products. So it's not like the cotton that we're picking out of the fields is the exact same cotton that's going in products. So even that requires some chemical processing. Absolutely. And uh, maybe rayon, of course. I mean, the minute you said rayon, I'd learned something from you. So that, that, was the, that was the first material that you disclosed and the last material that I would have thought of. And certainly polypropylene. Oh, my God. I mean, just wow. My jaw is a little bit to the floor here. Now, and now let's talk a little bit about these sources other than hemp and what, how it depletes the soil. Now, of course, building the soil and regenerative agriculture is not just a thing. It is, it is the calling. It is what is going to allow us as a, as a race to survive. And by that, I mean the human race Absolutely. To, to survive. Um, and so what, if you would like to talk to us a little bit about hemp and the soil versus some of these other crops or just in general. Sure. So I'm definitely not an agronomical expert, and I'm not a farmer, but have learned quite a bit over the past four years um, and have learned about conventional agriculture um, and how monocropping and even chronic rotational crops can deplete soil, which is why we have to put in synthetic fertilizers year after year. Um, and an ideal soil condition that is self-sustaining has really great high levels of soil organic matter, 
of carbon, of natural organic carbon, and that is um, long-lasting. So, for instance, if you have organic carbon in your soil, that can sustain optimal growing conditions for 10, 15 years, whereas a synthetic fertilizer application, you'll have to reapply year after year. And then you're dealing with problems like nutrient runoff that can go into waterways and kill off fish. And um, it costs the growers a lot of money, too. So the concept of organic agriculture, that touches on that some. Um, but regenerative takes it a step further. And that's where Trace's focused is sourcing materials that only use regenerative agricultural principles. Um, and our products are a blend of both hemp and cotton, but even our cotton is regenerative. Um, so these methods are focused on optimizing soil organic matter, healing that level. Um, and some methods that we use are no-till or strip-till. But, you know, that's not uncommon now. That's pretty much the norm um, where it's possible. Um, cover cropping, but multi-species cover cropping. So that's a little tiny difference between like conventional methods, even organic and regenerative. Because we're really talking about biodiversity and right, really exactly. building that soil. And I just, and I very quickly, it's inappropriate for me to in interrupt you with this moment, sister, but I just, my mind's blown because I did not realize that Trace Femcare was only using hemp grown with regenerative techniques. I mean, that's just like, it's the gift that just keeps on giving in my, in my female heart here. Sure. Well, and you know, hemp is already well positioned for a regenerative crop. So hemp is already so efficient at sequestering atmospheric carbon, at aerating soils with its deep, nice tap roots, with returning carbon to soil. Um, and certainly as an industry, we need more research on which type of cultivation, harvesting methods, how much residue we leave on a field to optimize those processes. Even a study out of Poland that just came out in the first week of November this year that looked at a field um, that had, um, it was a contaminated field and looked at soil mitigation, remediation with hemp and soil organic matter. And the soil organic matter tripled in three years. And that is like unheard of. In our cotton project, our data is still coming out, but we anticipate our cotton soil organic matter to maybe increase by 50%. Um, so to see that hemp study come out that tripled the amount in that short period of time it just is really affirming that this is a great fiber to be using that can actually heal our environment. God, and just so fantastic. And, you know, we often say that sustainability is, it's, it's, an, it was so important. I would take sustainability over unsustainability any day of the week. Um, but really we're talking about going beyond sustainability into, of course, straight up regeneration and not just about we're putting back into the soil, what we're taking out of it. We're talking about we're, we're taking out of the soil and we're putting more back into it than we took out of it. And that's what all of Absolutely. Yes, these techniques. That is our like ethos for sure. Um, and, you know, we, we actually, the word sustainable is on our no-no list as a brand because we, we don't want to sustain what we have now. Um, it's, it's a negative sum game. So we really do focus on only those materials that give back more to the earth than what it takes. And, you know, I'm going to sound a little feminist here, but 
I think there's something special about the thought of um, people identifying as females saving the world. Um, <laughs> and how we have menstruation that has been um, positioned to us as this problem or as this nuisance or something that holds us back. But Trace wants to look at menstruation as a tool to make things better. It's like our, um, you know, secret value proposition um, in the world that we have that we can use to, to give back more to the earth than what we take and some positive heal the earth. Um, so that way there's a healthy landscape for our grandchildren. Oh, I love it. 10 million times over. We're in so many ways all around the world in, and in different types of movements and in, and in different types of endeavors and missions. Uh, women are taking their menstrual cycle, their periods, all of that, and, and now using it as a source of empowerment and, and absolutely walking in our power with it. Just so fantastic. And, and what you're doing with Trace, your tampon, um, is just that on steroids. It's that on steroids. Now, and I see you're also um, looking to trademark um, the term climate beneficial cotton. I love this. You want to talk to us about that? Totally. And that um, designation is through Fibershed. Mm. Have you heard of that group before? Not yet. Please enlighten me. Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. Fibershed is an organization that I've respected for years. Rebecca Burgess is their executive director and founder, and it is an organization um, that works to build regionalized, resilient textile systems um, that are climate beneficial. So they own the trademark on that, and they are the third party that issues that verification to textile systems and fiber suppliers, um, and they're who's managing our cotton project. Um, and they do have some work in hemp. So I'm really excited to see where this cotton project goes because I hope we can replicate that for hemp and work towards climate beneficial verification for hemp fiber as well. Excellent. Beautiful. Oh, my goodness. And thank you so much for turning me and the audience onto Fibershed, Fibershed.org, already just absorbing even as we're speaking. Amazing stuff here. Now, and where are we at sort of in the in the process of it all, Miss Claire? Sure. Oh, my gosh. So we have some really exciting things happening this month. So some background tampons, which is our first product we're going to enter market with. Tampons are a class two medical device regulated by the FDA. So um, it is actually illegal for us to solicit for pre-orders to ask for money for tampons until we have our FDA approval. But in order to get our FDA approval, we have to have a representative commercial production run from which we can do our product testing on. So it has taken, you know, a year and a half to get to that point. But this month, our first commercial production pilot run is happening. And um, like, I literally have a bottle of champagne saved. <laughs> When this is done. I am so excited for you. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for everyone who has a period, and I'm so excited for the country. This is this month, your first production run to move into product testing. This is huge. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, another crazy thing that I learned in this journey is that there is no contract manufacturing capacity for tampons in the United States. What? I what? know. It's nuts. 
Now there is tampon manufacturing in vertical operations with the big guys. So Procter and Gamble, Kimberly Clark, Edgewell, um, and we hope to get their attention one day. Um, but because of that, we've had to do all of our product development overseas in the middle of COVID lockdown and quarantine. <laughs> And supply chain problems, and oh my God, what conditions! Nothing's easy with hemp. Nothing's easy with hemp, but boy, that's right. Boy, hemp ain't easy. Hemp ain't easy, but it presses <laughs> that essential oil, the finest oil. You go, girls. So yeah. So you know, ideally, our vision is to have a regionalized system. Right now, all of our cotton and our hemp is grown and processed in the United States. And we love that because we know all of our farmers by their first name. Like, I know what their kids are into. We're, you know, very comfortable. And that builds a level of trust and traceability into our program that um, is just required. And integrity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and our manufacturer is amazing as well. They're like global leaders in this space. So we feel really lucky for that part. Um, and so you know, we're not dogging totally on the system that we have set up, but ideally we'd like to get to the point where we're not having to ship products across oceans. Of course. You're sitting here being as climate beneficial um, and responsible as you can, concerned with every bit of your carbon footprint. And of course you are relegated to international shipments. I get it. Right. So we talked a lot about progress, not perfection at work um, and goodness. just being really honest yeah, and so um, our approach is we want to be totally honest and transparent with everyone that this is the reality. Here are the steps we are taking to make it better. And in doing so, you're also educating because there is this idealism that is out there that is it simply doesn't lend itself to reality. And it, it simply doesn't lend itself to the real delivering of the promise of, of healing the planet. So thank you for being honest, because through that you teach, you teach that, you know, we, we do everything. You know, I, I love doing hempcrete workshops and inevitably get somebody, you know, who's just graduated from college and they want a hemp home that is geothermal and solar and every last bit. Well, but if you're in a place where there is not access to geothermal energy, you're not going to be able to do that. And then, and then there'll be the, but because five years ago, even now, oftentimes with our hempcrete builds, not all of the hemp in North America is coming from North America yet. Oh, of course. Yeah. Most of it, most of the herds imported still, I believe. Is that true? Yeah. Of course. So, so, you know, and we were sitting there doing it and there'd be someone in the audience going, what? The hemp is coming from Holland? And you'd be like, yes, it's coming from Holland and it's going to make a much more healthy house, despite the fact that it had to come from Holland in a container on a ship. Um, but that is exactly what is changing and moving and grooving at a wonderful rate. It's going to have to go much faster. And I trust that it will, than it is right now in terms of the building of the infrastructure and the manufacturing here in the U.S. Yeah, it's crazy to me how much we still need to import into the U.S. But at the same time, you know, I started my hemp journey in 2018, which in the hemp world is like a lifetime, even though it's been only almost four years um, and so four, four dog years. Yeah, yeah, really four dog years. And so to see how far we've come just in that short period of time, I'm really, really super proud of the U.S. hemp industry. Um, and, you know, since COVID, we're finally starting to get investments, you know, venture capitalists, big money, 
Um, good money oh. is starting to invest in hemp fiber infrastructure and supply chain. Um, and, you know, back when I started in 2018, I was trying to build a processor. So did a lot of market development for herd as well. Um, and it was a ten and a half million dollar raise without like market data on it. <laughs> and so pitching that and, you know, you can't really do a proof of concept on hemp fiber processing in like a backyard homemade machine that's going to be the same as a commercial machine too. Um, so it's like comparing apples to oranges. So I really have a lot of respect for the U.S. fiber processors that are coming online. It, it's like so gritty. Um, but I'm also really grateful that we're finally getting traction on funding. That's been the number one barrier for the U.S. So I'm really excited where the next few years are going to go. And I'm also super excited to be coming at this now from a brand standpoint. It is like so fun to finally be talking about buying hemp fiber <laughs> and being, uh, you know, contributing to pulling through that supply chain um, from, from a financial standpoint. Oh my God, I'm just on fire for you, girl. Just so inspiring. And, and I'm I'm just so happy for all of us that these uh, dreams and visions and ideas are being manifested and coming to fruition. Can you give us, and I certainly understand if you can't, any insight into other products that you might be considering or other projects underway? Yeah, totally. So, um, well, there's a few different things. So we're currently fundraising. So some of these decisions will, based on, will be based on our fundraising timeline. But we would like to enter with um, multiple absorbencies and some combo packs of tampons. Um, and we're already starting to work on development of our panty liner that will be... Um, a dual use menstrual panty liner and an incontinence pad, a light incontinence pad. And for those out there who don't know what that word means, it means leaking urine. Um, and like, it is probably one of the most common things that females experience as they get older. Secret, also a big problem in the male population. Um, but, you know, we can hit a double whammy with that product. And then in the future, we'll introduce a sanitary napkin or a pad that has a higher absorbency and look at um, some different tampon designs. So we'll launch with a digital tampon, which I'd love to share why. Um, and then in the future, bring in a hemp biopolymer applicator to go with that. And then of course, I can't forget my textile roots. Um, we'd love to have a hemp-based menstrual underwear um, that we've already started working on as well. Wow, and will you tell us what is a digital tampon? Yeah, so a digital tampon just means it's an applicator-free tampon. Oh, like your fingers are digits. You use your digits. Got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, this was another crazy surprise to me when we started doing research for Trace. Um, I actually bought every single tampon brand on the market, had it shipped to my house, and had my 10-year-old daughter open every box and write a book report on each brand and paid her like $7 per brand. Wow. Um, but when you open up all the tampons in the world, there's really only two base designs, which is crazy. So there's something called a tea bag design, and there's something called a radial design. So radial designs, when they get wet, they expand horizontally. Tea bag designs, when they get wet, expand longitudinally. Now, because of my women's health genius brain, I know, oh, well, that's why some tampons are really uncomfortable 
because when the tea bags expand, it can pinch at the vaginal opening. So, you know, I'm kind of bougie. I want a really nice, fancy tampon. Um, so I'm like, okay, well, we have to use a radially expanding design because comfort is like the number one priority after safety. Um, but radial design tampons cannot go into cardboard applicators. Oh, you're kidding. Who would have thunk? Who would have thunk? I know. I know it's crazy. And so our only choices for that design are either a non-applicator or a plastic applicator that has some petroleum input and doesn't biodegrade. Got it. Well, okay, that's like totally antithetical to our brand values. It's not our purpose. Um, so we did have to make that choice that, okay, we'll just launch with, with a digital tampon. Honestly, most um, younger millennials and Gen Z menstruators are already experimenting with hand inserted products like cups because they're so much more aware of why the hell would I need an applicator and and yeah, if, totally. if I you know and and I guess I'll I'll just sit here and disclose to my audience uh, I clearly gave away the gave away the the house or whatever when I asked the question what is a digital tampon apparently I don't have a lot of experience with digital tampons for hemp I will gain experience. I will go digital, and uh, and I will be thinking as clearly as the younger generations that are saying, "I look at all of these tampons that I have to use every single or choose to, if that's the product that they're choosing, uh, every single month." I'm not going to continue to add to the environment with these applicators. Now, indeed, I've been using cardboard um, applicators, bleached wood applicators, you know, um, but, uh, but okay. And then, and why is it, why must, um, there be some petroleum and I'm sure there's a scientific reason why, or is it a regulatory reason why there has to be a little petroleum? Sure. It's a scientific reason why. And I had a two hour call once with, a um, polymer scientist once, and I literally was crying at the end of the conversation. So I was a biology major in undergrad, not a chemist. Um, but it has to do with the integrity of the plastic in the injection molding process. Mm. So there are some innovations that we're working on to get um, a 100% bio-based polymer that feels and functions like that really nice, smooth, premium plastic feel. Mm -hmm. But that also truly does biodegrade at end of life. So there's a lot of greenwashing out there. So there's a lot of companies that might say they're biodegradable because they've hit an ASTM standard, but in real life scenarios, it doesn't work. So put, put that straw outside and OMG. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And I want somebody to be able to put it in their home compost um, or you know, feel okay with putting it in their trash can. And and also, I think that we're going to find, thank you for doing more R&D. And also, we've got the planet Earth and the, some of the greatest minds all over the world on this. How can we make a 100% bio-based, fully at end of life, you know, and, and, and for its different purposes, which, you know, all of those things. And so of course, green, green tech packages. You know, our, is, yes, yes. That's who I was getting ready to mention, Jordan. Oh, good. Yeah. Jordan, yes. Jordan Hinshaw, please. I'm such a fan. I, we were both going going there with the minute I said straw, I'm sure you thought of Jordan Inshaw. Yeah. So he's been super helpful. Um, and so it's a project we want to work towards um, because obviously our preference um, for feedstock on that biopolymer is going to be hemp. We're really excited to be working on that, but just, you know, getting um, the first tampon out as fast as possible um, and teaching customers how, how easy it is to use a digital tampon. 
And it's like a smaller carbon footprint too, because it's a smaller shipment. It weighs less. It's, you know, it's really a win overall. It just might take a little teaching to get over that first hump. Little getting used to and a little getting used to. And this is uh, welcome to 2022 coming on guys. A little changes, getting used to it, and one foot in front of the other. We got this, planet <laughs> Earth. We just need to be open to it and be open to the changes and, and embrace them and and work together and follow our heart song. You have so followed your heart song here, Claire. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, honestly, if you aren't going into your company with full heart and, like, true grounded purpose, um, you're not going to make it. It's too hard emotionally. Um, and there, you know, anybody who's listening, who's an entrepreneur, who's ever tried to build anything from scratch, totally understands that it's brutal emotionally. So without that um, fervor in your passion and without um, a good solid support system, it's just not going to come to fruition. So I'm really grateful to have that. Gosh, and I'm so happy to hear of this funding, Claire, and that those faucets, and I'm watching it, of course, with clients and the industry in general and all of the various nonprofit and for-profit organizations that I'm involved in. I'm, of course, watching that change and the funding coming on. And we knew that once legalization, full true legalization in terms of being completely removed from the Controlled Substances Act, that it would take a little bit of time. And it is, it is sure catching up. It's super refreshing. Um, and even with Southeast Hemp Fiber, I couldn't get a checking account in my first year of business. Um, so it was so just relieving and exciting. When I went to go open our Trace account, they're like, oh yeah, this is, sounds great. Tell me more about hemp. And I just about fell over and like teared up. Thank you so much. Time. And you know, again, it, it marches on. It's just so important uh, for folks to, especially folks looking for purpose, looking for a place to belong. Join the hemp movement or any movement, wherever your heart song is. I can tell you, you keep working at it. You wake up one day, boom, there's change. It's, it's incredible. Um, and you, you have recently, I am so thrilled and uh, pleased to be part of the Hemp Innovation Challenge team. I have been for a few years now. Um, and I know that you have submitted your project to the Hemp Innovation Challenge. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited about that. Um, and, you know, our product in and of itself is innovative. But in order to get to this little tampon, we have had to innovate every single step. So, from processing methodology to chemistry to cultivation method to even business relationships. So we do a lot of pre-competitive collaboration with competitors and that's just not business as usual. It's kind of that new age thinking that you're talking about um, where an awareness is building that we can't do this alone. We have to do it together. Even if it causes some discomfort, it's worth those uncomfortable conversations and moving through that together for the greater good. So really in all aspects, we have been doing things a bit differently. And so we're really proud and excited to, to submit. God, I just am so excited to hear about all of those different aspects of it. And uh, and maybe we'll even see you at uh, the World Ag Expo in February. I hope so. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Who who knows? Um, so important. And, yeah, those strategies. Bob Hoban, one of my favorite attorneys and, and just an incredible human being. I just happen to love Bob uh, so, so much everything about him. Um, but he 
and he may not have coined this phrase, but I always attribute it to him. And it's coopetition. And, and hemp breeds coopetition. Cannabis, the plant in general, um, is, a, is a blender. We have an endocannabinoid system. It is, it is wanting us. You know, and I, that is my favorite thing about hemp is that it's a unifier. Um, and a lot of people in our fundraising process have said, oh, you know, you need to go to a VC firm that's specifically looking for women or that's specifically, you know, whatever. But honestly, we get so much enthusiasm from non-menstruators, from men, um, and we get interest from all aspects of the political spectrum. So we have our you know, right-wing Republicans who are excited about Made in the USA, excited about supporting growers. We have our left-leaning liberals who are excited about saving the environment, who are excited about supporting hemp and cannabis legalization. Um, and we're all at this table together working on this same project. So... Uh, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's magical. It It is magical. Really, the magic of hemp. Jonathan Miller, general counsel to the U.S. Hemp Roundtable, um, someone who I just, I've worked with for several years now and respect so much. He calls it the magic of, I had another magic of hemp moment. Um, <laughs> and, and I absolutely love that because I really feel like we can heal that we have so much more in common than we don't. Um, and, uh, and, and hemp is just such a, a great bipartisan playing field for all all of us to be in community together and to help advance one another's thinking uh, through that process in little and subtle ways in, in every direction. And I, I so appreciate that and love that. It's really- And that's, that's my core why. So have you heard of like Simon Sinek's Your Core Why? Yes. Um, and that has come out into my business, of course, but healing relationships is one of the core healing modalities that are part of our core values in TRACE. Um, So it's not just healing environment. It's also healing relationships and healing communities um, because hemp has that power. Wow. God, what a place to end this incredible interview. I could not have said that better myself. But before we go, sister, is there a question that I didn't ask that you maybe wished I did or or something that you want to leave the audience with? Sure. So to find out more information about Trace, please check us out on our website, traceyourtampon.com. We're also on Instagram and we will be on TikTok um, in early 2023. Get, get excited about that one. Um, and as it stands right now, we will be on market and ready for sales by the fourth quarter of 2022. So go ahead and sign up um, for our email newsletters and you can get updates and first access to product when it's available. Oh my gosh, I cannot wait to get my first digital trace your tampon. Well, girl, you know I'm going to send you a box. <laughs> I am so excited for the fourth quarter of 2022. I'm excited for everything that you're doing and i'm excited for the planet and claire crunk i am so excited for you sister thank you well thank you for having me and thank you so much for your leadership in the hemp industry i've been admiring you for a long time so thank you my honor oh sister my honor my pleasure and i'm watching you and it is just incredibly pleasurable uh to watch these lotus petals unfold you are something else sister we'll have you back again and until then thank you for everything you do thanks for listening to today's show to check out more great cannabis podcasts go to podconnects.com Here's a preview of one of our other shows. 
Infused, a cannabis talk show, is a -a one-of-a-kind look inside the cannabis industry. Meet the amazing people who make cannabis businesses bloom as they join host Nick with Francesca and Mike for creative cannabis conversations. Get an honest look at the business of cannabis, including trends, best and worst practices, products, education, and advocacy. Whether you're kind of curious or running a cannabis, Infused has can of conversations that count. Infused is available on YouTube and is now streaming as part of the PodConnects network.